A Focus Summary of Chapters 52 and 53 of Pride and Prejudice Elizabeth soon receives an answer from her aunt, and she is delighted to discover that it does not contain a denial of her request for an explanation of Darcy's presence at Lydia and Wickham's wedding. Her aunt begins by expressing surprise that Elizabeth was ignorant of the reasons for Darcy's involvement, apologizing if her assumption had been impertinent. She adds that had Mr. Gardner not believed her a concerned party, he would never have allowed Darcy to play the role he did. She explains that the day she came home from Longbourn, Mr. Gardner received a visit from Darcy. They learned that he had left Derbyshire the day after they did, gone to London to appeal to Mrs. Young, Georgiana's former governess and an intimate acquaintance of Wickham, whether she had any information about their whereabouts, and, having bribed the woman into betraying what she knew, discovered their location. The motive Darcy named for his interference was the belief that it was owing to his own pride that Wickham's worthlessness was not well known. But Mrs. Gardner hints again that she believes him to have been moved by other motives. Darcy's object with Lydia had been to prevail upon her to quit her disgraceful situation and return to her friends but discovering that she had no intention of giving Wickham up, he then set his sights on securing a marriage between them, something he confirms had never been Wickham's intention. Wickham had been forced to leave the regiment on account of some debts of honor, and he still harbored hope of making his fortune by marrying abroad. Darcy met with Wickham several times to discuss the terms on which he would consent to marry Lydia. The matter, once settled with him, had then to be agreed upon by Mr. Gardner. Darcy was insistent that nothing was to be done that he did not do himself, and though they battled it together for a long time, Mr. Gardner was at last forced to yield, and the express was sent to Longbourn. To take all the credit for Darcy's efforts went against the grain for Mr. Gardner, so he was relieved that Lizzie's letter allowed him the chance to give the praise where it was due. But, Mrs. Gardner insists, the knowledge must not go beyond Elizabeth, or Jane, at most. Mrs. Gardner says that they have seen Lydia and Wickham many times. He, she says, is just what he has always been, and Lydia acts every bit the fool she did at Longbourn. All Mrs. Gardner's efforts to persuade her of the wickedness of what she had done were futile, because she simply did not listen. She closes the letter by confirming that Mr. Darcy had attended the wedding, as Elizabeth was told, and that he dined with them the next day. She takes the opportunity to add how much she likes him, and she calls him sly for failing to mention Elizabeth's name. She apologizes if she has been presuming, and then teasingly asks Elizabeth not to punish her by excluding her from Pemberley. This letter throws Elizabeth into a flutter of spirits. She is astonished that Darcy would have taken on himself all the trouble and mortification he did for a woman he must abominate and the man whom he had always most wished to avoid. Her heart whispers that he did it all for her, but on consideration she cannot believe it possible that he would have overcome his abhorrence against a relationship with Wickham for the sake of a woman who had once refused him. It is painful to her to reflect on how much her family owes to him and to recall the ungracious opinions she had previously held. More than anything else, she feels proud of him, 
that in a cause of compassion and honor he has gotten the better of himself. Reading again over her aunt's letter, it gives her both pleasure and regret to see how persuaded they are that affection subsists between Darcy and herself. She is roused from her reflection by Wickham, who begins by establishing that they were always good friends, and now are better. He asks her a series of leading questions about her visit to Pemberley, whether she met the housekeeper, whether she spoke to Darcy himself, etc., in an effort to determine what she had learned. Elizabeth, though subtle, makes it clear that she knows all. When she makes reference to particular facts that contradict his story, he does his best to claim he had confessed to them all along. Unwilling for her sister's sake to provoke him, she suggests with a sly smile that they ought not to quarrel about the past. She extends her hand, he kisses it with gallantry and evident discomfort, and they enter the house. Elizabeth finds that she had said enough to keep Wickham quiet, because he never raises the subject again. The day of their departure arrives, and while Mrs. Bennet expresses great pain at having to submit to a twelve-month separation from her daughter, Mr. Wickham's adieus are more affectionate than his wife's. When they are out of the house, Mr. Bennet declares himself prodigiously proud of his son-in-law, who so effectively simpers, smirks, and makes love to them all. Mrs. Bennet is dull for days, forlorn at the loss of Lydia. She is little consoled by Elizabeth's encouragement that she finds satisfaction in the fact that her other four are single. She is stirred again to hope at the news that Netherfield has received orders to prepare for the arrival of her master. In the same breath, she insists the news means nothing to her and demands to know if it is quite certain. Mrs. Phillips says she can depend upon it. Jane cannot hear the news without changing color, but seeing Lizzie look at her, she is emphatic that the news does not affect her and that she only dreads other people's remarks. Despite her protestations, Elizabeth can see that her spirits are stirred. She also believes Bingley still partial to Jane, and she wonders whether he comes with or without his friend's permission. As she had done twelve months before, Mrs. Bennet appeals to her husband to wait on Bingley as soon as he arrives, but Mr. Bennet adamantly refuses this fool's errand. She determines to invite him to dine with them herself. Jane tells Lizzie she is sorry he has come at all, and complains of how she suffers from the things her mother says. Lizzie says she would preach patience, but Jane already has more of it than anyone she knows. On the third day following his arrival in Hertfordshire, Mr. Bingley astonishes them all by riding up to the house himself, and in the company of Mr. Darcy. Jane looks at Elizabeth with concern, aware of the awkwardness she must feel having to face one whose proposal she had refused and whose merit she had undervalued. Little does she know the additional source of uneasiness arising from the debt Elizabeth is aware her family owes Darcy. The color comes back to Elizabeth's cheeks as she considers that perhaps his affections remain unshaken. But she cannot be sure, and resolves to wait and see how he behaves. Despite her own discomfort, Jane receives Bingley with tolerable ease. Elizabeth says as little as civility will allow, and venturing only one glance at Darcy, finds him more serious than she had seen him at Pemberley. Bingley looks pleased 
but also embarrassed by Mrs. Bennet's excesses of civility, especially when contrasted with her cold politeness to Darcy. Knowing what her mother owes to him, this gives Elizabeth distress to a painful degree. After inquiring of Elizabeth how Mr. and Mrs. Gardiner did, Darcy says little else. Her occasional glances at him find him often looking at the floor. He seems much more thoughtful and less eager to please than he did in Derbyshire. Elizabeth is disappointed and angry with herself for being so. Mrs. Bennet continues to embarrass them by boasting of her youngest daughter's marriage, making veiled digs at Darcy for denying Wickham the friendship he deserved, and showering Bingley with shamefully officious attention. Elizabeth begins to hope she might never see either of them again, since no pleasure could atone for the wretchedness of the present moment. But her misery is given some relief when she begins to notice how her sister's beauty has rekindled Bingley's admiration. When the gentlemen rise to go away, Mrs. Bennet reminds Bingley that he had promised to take a family dinner with them as soon as he returned. Bingley, embarrassed, apologizes for having been detained by business. Mrs. Bennet refrains from inviting them both that day, thinking two courses not enough for either a man on whom she has anxious designs or one who has ten thousand a year.' 